Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Welcome to this episode of the podcast where we'll be exploring the intersection of financial wellness and longevity with a focus on women's financial health. My guest today is Melissa Ma, a financial coach with over 20 years of experience in the financial services industry. Melissa is passionate about helping people transform their lives by empowering them to have clarity, awareness, and efficiency around their money. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the growing trend of financial wellness, where people are becoming more transparent and open about their finances and the role it plays in our overall mental health. We'll delve into the reasons why money has been a taboo topic in the past and why this is changing, particularly for women who on average live six to eight years longer than men. We'll also explore how our attitudes and beliefs about money affect our relationship with it and the deeper psychological issues that can arise. Melissa shares her expertise on how to become better stewards of our financial wellness, including understanding our financial positions, exploring attitudes towards money, and the financial literacy necessary for living a longer life. So I really want you to get ready to learn how to take control of your financial health and create a more abundant and fulfilling life, no matter how long you live for. Melissa, I am so happy to have you on the show. We've worked (laughs) together before. Uh, We've published some of your content on Ageless by Rescue when it was Rescue. And you were like my first port of call when I wanted to talk about money and how it ties into wellness. But particularly on the subject of longevity, I um, heard a podcast or watched a YouTube with Professor David Sinclair, who's kind of the grand godfather of longevity and wellness. Mm. And he was saying that his father, who is in his 80s, has commenced a brand new career and that he fully expects to engage with this new career. And it really got me thinking about, you know, how are we going to look at money as Mm. we are going to expand our lifespan? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. And particularly after such a, you know, long time between drinks for you and I, but I, it's just, it's, I guess when you, and like, what an amazing guy, of course, don't agree about years of age. That's like, that's fantastic. But I guess it's, it's the concept of money, um, financial wellness, financial wellbeing, um, particularly, you know, with that focus on, on women, because you know, I mean, we are, we are all living so much longer that it really, you know, we're living six to eight years longer than men on average, oh, yeah. on average. And that's just the statistical average. And you know where else? Because quality lasts. <laughs> but that's um. But I think it's it's more so now. It's even more important, irrespective of where you are at, what stage, what age, what's going on for you in your life. It is relevant. Um, money, financial wellness, financial well-being. Um, you know, having that. You know, that understanding. And I mean, obviously, a lot of stuff we're going to have a chat about today. I think it doesn't. It doesn't differentiate across, um, you know, I've always said this over socioeconomic um, areas, ages, um, you know, all that sort of thing. It, it really, it's just as important when you're starting out as when you're sort of, you know, when 
you're in your in your in your latter years of life it's it's just as important to to understand it and if you if you don't then you know obviously what we're going to talk about today the ramifications of what can happen and the impact it can have you know as a flow and effect through your rest of your life um so it's it's so important yeah i want to start at the beginning and i i want to like continue on this link between health longevity um and money is that like health and a lot of um conversations around you know what we're doing how we're feeling mental health money is a taboo subject and mm. it's it's really weird it's mm. you know it can make or break a relationship mm-hmm. uh it can destroy friendships mm-hmm. uh parents have a hard time discussing it with their children and, you know, you are a financial coach and you must see this all the time. Why is money such a taboo subject? I mean, people are more comfortable talking about sex and they really are. They Absol- really, oh, look, really- absolutely. Look, and I always say this is a bit of a, a bit of a throwaway joke, but since you've introduced it, look, you know, you ask someone what they did on a Friday night and they'll give you a blow-by-blow account of their, you know, their sexual conquests and what they got up to and stuff like that. If you ask them what they earn, crickets. Or what they spend their money on. Or exactly. Or, or what their debt it. is. Yeah, 100%. It's like, dirty. It, it's, yeah, it's like, a, it's like that. Um, um, I, I, I remember listening to a professor talk about it years ago on a, something I was listening to and he was saying it's like that uncomfortable uncle or the relation that we've all got at family gatherings. We sort of, we know they're there. We don't really, they, they give us the creeps, you know what I mean? They don't really, um, we feel uncomfortable around them, but they, we sort of just, you know suck it up and put up with them and and he was alluding the fact that money is a bit like that it's but it's, why you know, why is it why do you I think th- society treats it is it just in our western cultures or is you know in your work of over 20 years I'm sure you work with all sorts of ethnicities yeah. is it across all cultures I think it's 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 there's a combination of both like there's you know it's it's our upbringing it's it's our conditioning like so it's our our internal um, money stories. It's what our families of um, how we've been brought up and that sort of thing. And I think our, you know, our generation is very much a generation where it wasn't spoken about when we were growing up. It was, you know, it was seen as a, you know, it's not polite to talk about money. You know, I remember growing up, it was talked about in very closed, um, you know, whispers behind closed doors. So the kids don't hear about it. So we, we, I think it's really important not to underestimate the impact that has on us. I mean, the mental um, health statistics around money yeah. and um, all sorts of problems like anxiety, yeah. depression, suicide. It, it's just yep. crazy that we don't think of financial wellness as a yeah. health issue. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, I'm doing a lot of work in the um, in the, uh, the financial wellness in the corporate space and, you know, the impact it has on on um you know, workplace productivity and stress levels and exactly what you're talking about because mm. it just has this, you know, I've always said, you know, when money is like when you have people's finances and everything's okay, it has a, you know, it has a very flow on effect to all other aspects of our lives with what you know, what you're talking about with relationships and mental health and everything and anxiety and all that sort of stuff. And it's bloody aging, Mel. If if you are stressed all the time, your cortisol levels. Oh my are god! Like if you you're you totally on the whole time. Yeah. Like you can I'll tell you a funny story. I uh, before I had a publishing business, I had a cosmetic distribution business, and yep. I started off with one brand. I was 28 years old when I started this company. I left Estee Lauder Group, 
to start my own distribution business, I'd moved to Paris. And I started with one brand that was distributed in David Jones stores. And the business grew and I went from one brand to 36 brands from five different countries. And I was in three and a half thousand points of sale. And the GFC hit. I hadn't hedged my foreign exchange and I got hit. Hmm. And I lost half a million dollars in foreign exchange. The bank called in the uh, money. Hmm. And in order to pay them back and not go bankrupt, I actually had to sell down things, close out contracts because I didn't want to go bankrupt. Hmm. Hmm. The upshot of it was within two weeks, I'd gone from flying first class on British Airways every three weeks Hmm. around the world. Uh, living in my beautiful home at Woolloomooloo Wharf here in Mm. Sydney to being dead broke and $960,000 in the hole. And I I think I was like 34 at this point. I aged, Mm. I I think, honestly, 10 years Mm. in those two weeks. Yeah. And the ramifications of that financial stress and, you know, I I got out of it and I double Mm. mortgaged a property that I fortunately had. Yes. And work bloody hard. Yeah, but, yeah. like kudos but the, to you. But, but the like, amazing. knock on yeah. of that was I couldn't get pregnant. Yes, I yes. had like a, a, yeah. I, oh. I have to find photos of what I looked like at that time. Yeah, it was horrific. Like the yeah. actual, the physical ramifications and the mental ramifications were massive. And that's yeah. my own experience. Yeah, you know, in my early thirties. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, look, I, um, you know, many minds are, uh, you know, I've had lots of different, um, I guess, goalposts along the way with regards to my journey with money and, and that sort of thing. But it, it really, it does take its toll. Um, you know, in my marriage, it was a, you know, that was a big contributing factor to my marriage ending. Um, I mean, this is, this is, a, you know, quite a long time ago now, but it was, you know, but if I look back now and, and you know, in my professional life and, and in my, you know, my personal life and then, you know, then starting a business of what, you know, the things that showed up all along the way, um, they do have a significant impact on our, our wellness, our overall wellness. So it's, you know, um, our money, our financial wellness, or, you know, I like using, I prefer, you know, I love using the word being wealthy because it encompasses everything. Like it's mm-hmm. so wealthy, exactly. Wealthy, like, you know, wealth is, and money's just one component about that. You know, it's relationships, it's our fun, it's our health and well being, it's our, you know, um, our continuous growing and, and, and personal growth and education and, you know, all those aspects of it. Um, and money, you know, plays a big part of it. But going back to your original question, I think it's it's because such a big part of money is is part, well, money is such a big part of our identity, um, mm. whether we like it or not. It is a massive part of our identity, which is comes from our you know our internal um, story, money stories, and stuff from when we're growing up. Um, you know, the all the the throwaway throwaway lines that we talk about, you know, that like money doesn't grow on trees or money's the root of all evil, or you can't be a good person and and be wealthy. Like, I mean, those things have really big claws that get into our our DNA and our subconscious programming and beliefs and stuff like that. So and you know, worthiness example, around money is is a it's massive thing. All it's all about self-worth. Oh, you know, I mean, my favorite saying is I come in the money, but it's never about the money. The money is the effect, not the cause. And it's, you know, I love looking at what the cause is, but it all comes back down to our self-worth. So would I be correct in saying that in a way your job is like a 
money counselor or a money therapist. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Do you do that kind of work? Because, yeah. you know, when I follow you on social media, I follow you on LinkedIn, and there's always a slightly spiritual aspect yeah. to the work that you do around money. And it really yeah. resonates with me because yeah. I do believe that, uh, and I've experienced this, that, you know, I'm really magnetic to financial wealth and success when my self-concept is good mm. and when it's shaky I make really stupid financial mm. decisions mm. a and I'm a repellent for yep. financial success yeah and I, that's my own personal experience and so when you talk about financial worthiness mm. it really resonates with me and I'm wondering if you can expand on that yeah, and how sure. that how you work with a client yep. who comes to you and when you see that as the underlying cause yeah. So yes, I if I had a dollar for every time people said you're kind of like a therapist, or are you a therapist? You're kind of like a therapist, and I go yes, but no, but yes, but no. So yeah, it's it's very much you know as I was saying before, it comes very much down to the money is just the effect of what's going on in our you know financial world, and so it's really you know it's really important to to get that clarity and awareness and efficiency around all that. But it's for me, it's clearing the space to go and have a look at, you know, our um, our money stories, our money programmings and conditionings and belief, which all is all hinged back to our our self worth. And I I guess I'll if I could share with you my reckoning, I guess of really understanding about that connection is when I actually left um, a corporate career um, and <laughs> the realization that I was probably had been unemployable my whole life, and you know, being a nonconformist, it didn't. It went really well for me. So, you I, know what? Um, corporate didn't love me either. No. It was it was a really strange experience yeah. for me. Opened a lot of doors, but I've worked for myself since I was twenty eight, yes. and yeah, I'm yeah, sure no. a lot of corporations are happy that I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of my friends said to me the other day. She said, "I love you to death, but oh my god, I'd hate for you to have to manage you." Like you know, it's like. So I always think it's like a, a starfish trying to, I always like a starfish trying to be shoved. I always went in as the boss because, yeah, it uh, would have been pretty nightmarish to manage me in my 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but when I, um, you know, when I left corporate and, um, and you know, it was very in a great position to actually have some time to really think about what it was, you know, what's going on for me. My marriage had ended um, the previous year. I had two very small children. So it was really, um, okay, well, what do I you know, what do I want to do? And and I sort of, you know, I guess I, I had the support of someone to, to be out, you know, like I sort of benched myself for a little while just to, you know, really create that space for me to really look at what um, what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, this was, was it 2013? You know, 2013, so a fairly long time ago. Um, and, you know, it was funny, apart from the fact that I, when I once I had that, created that just to really sit back and have a look at it, you know, there's this whole big line of breadcrumbs leading up to where I, where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and that sort of thing. But then, you know, I mean, I, I started, so I started my business and, um, and then, you know, it was sort of that expectations versus reality of really thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to start my business. People are going to be knocking down the doors to actually, you know, come and work with me. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, even after 20 years in finance and I had more qualifications and experience than you could, you know, poke a stick at, that's when my growth and my journey started around my relationship with money because I couldn't hide behind a career or a title or a, a salary. I was completely exposed as me. And I'll, <laughs> if you ever, ever want to explore your 
money beliefs and stories and stuff like that, go and start your own business because they will come. Isn't that the truth? Rolling up into your face. Um, and so that's when I realised the impact of, um, you know, I guess money mindset is the sort of the, the throwaway term, but I actually really prefer calling it inner awareness because it's actually getting out of your mind and dropping down into your, more into your heart space of really understanding the power of, you know, these programmings and beliefs that we hold inside us, um, the impact that has on our thoughts, that you know, then creates our reality and that sort of thing. So it's really um, doing a lot of work around, which I was having this conversation this morning about, you know, really changing breaking that cycle or pattern people have around money, which is, you know, very connected, as we said, to, to self-worth and then, um, and, you know, changing those neural pathways, which you can do now. So there's that, that, that side of it. Then there's the societal conditioning that comes in around that as well. So we you know, if we grow up our whole lives telling, being told that money's bad and, you know, you can't be a good person about if you've got money or it's, you know, it's not, great to talk about money so you grow up out your whole lives and then you become adults and you find out what is used as a yardstick to define success and status and power it's all around money so hang on a minute so I've been told my whole life money's bad and you shouldn't talk about it and stuff like that and then as an adult I find out it's actually really the you know it's a big part of our what forms our our whole life and our identity so there's kind of this this dysfunctional disconnect that we a lot of people can experience around money and then couple that with the fact that we don't have the skills or the knowledge or the understanding or the education around it and you know oh. particularly as women on a whole different level um which is a, you know <laughs> another you know another fairly huge conversation but I think it's just it's that you know that self-worth piece is just massive and that I'll tell a you a really um, funny thing. I said to my daughter, Lily, who's 12, that I'm mm. having you on the show today and I uh, gave the background of what you did. And she went into her room and she got me this affirmation card. I don't know if you can see it, but it says, get the money, honey. Oh. <laughs> I love so it. Cute. And she said, mom, I want you to put it on the mantelpiece because we're going to manifest more money. And I thought, funny thing for her to say, you know, she's 12, but yeah. obviously, you know, it's in the realms of conversation, there is no way on God's planet that as a 12-year-old, I would have dared, first of all, to have a conversation about my parents' financial situation. Mm, mm. I would never have had a lightheartedness towards wealth mm. to come up with an affirmation card to hand over to my mom or my dad. Mm, mm. And, But even this concept of it's a manifestation. I know that this is like a catch cry word at the moment, but the fact that as a 12 year old, there's something in the back of her head that knows that there is a responsibility that's linked from attitude to mm. reality. And yeah. I was so happy. I thought that is so good. Like, and how empowering, how empowering is that for her that she is in control of, she is actually the master of her own destiny and is in control of that. I was the, like you know, so that's just happy. Like, that's empowering. It's a liberating and amazing. But we were brought up by boomers and they had a very different yes. experience to money. And they were, you know, raised by people who came out of the wars. And the depression and, so, and stuff, yeah. And depression. And so they yeah. had a very uh, difficult relationship yes. with money. I came to Australia as an immigrant. So I was seven and a half when I came here from Iran. So we left a war and a revolution. Yeah. I can tell you what we left the country with. 
my mother's wedding ring, a necklace that her great aunt had given me. Just it was a butterfly necklace mm. and one gold coin, and that we smuggled out of the country. That was the entire, the totality of our wealth. And so there, there's a lot of messaging around money in my household that I that lives in my head rent-free mm. and I and I have to catch it. So mm. I'm wondering if we can talk about self-sabotage as a mm. as a subject. So we've got self-worth being mm. kind of the cornerstone of financial wellness and mm. being wealthy. Mm. But where in your opinion does self-sabotage come into the undoing of that mm. wellness? Well, I think it's driven a lot around a self-worth, first of all. Like I think it's all tied in together. But like, I mean, a lot of stuff I do with, particularly with women, is, you know, that that incessant self-talk that we have, which is <laughs> never particularly positive, um, particularly around money and our ability with money and our finances and that sort of thing. And it's it's um it's 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 so that comes in and sort of knocks us off our our ped like it, it is a self-sabotage and I guess you know going back to that um of when I started my business like thinking everything was you know people going to come along and then there was that realization that my I was actually you know self-sabotaging I'm a bit of a I've been a bit of a queen of self-sabotaging in the past I know a little bit about it um that it's the person that I had to be as a, you know, I mean, because I was selling myself as a coach, you know, I wasn't selling widgets. I was actually, so it was all about myself and as myself, as a coach. As a valuable as, entity. So yeah. you were the commodity that exactly, exactly, marketed. Exactly. So my realisation, and this was a really when I started, you know, delving into the, the the I guess, the, the inner, inner awareness around our relationship with money and stuff like that, that if I didn't value myself first and foremost, that no one else is going to show up and pay because I wasn't projecting, you know, I mean, as you were saying that, you know, I wasn't in that energy or that frequency or that space to attract those sorts of people. And there was a disconnect for me around that person and how I thought of, my, thought of myself. So basically I was doing everything kind of not, not consciously, but subconsciously I was self-sabotaging everything because I didn't think I was that person to be able to do that to be able to show up and be that person as a coach and so you know I wasn't you don't do it I you know you're not doing it on purpose but I was doing everything I could to sort of self-sabotage that um, to bring me back down to where I thought I was and, and do so you think I, that you had to take like from that aha moment was the next step accountability like is that what you would recommend if I came to see you as a client would you say okay yeah. here's the underlying issues um that you tease out of them in a consult and then is the first step like anything in any healing process is taking personal accountability and responsibility yeah it's it's yeah absolutely 100% it's actually being open and ready like I feel you know I mean I could I, I could I could talk to anyone about this sort of stuff but it's it's not that's not my that's not for me to do. I mean, I'm I'm support people that are open and ready to have a look at this. And it's not, <laughs> unfortunately, as human beings, we have to something kind of, you know, we have to something bad or, you know. We totally. Have to be... What a great <laughs> lesson. What a great trigger it is for Exactly. For the, 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 there has to be, adver we have to learn through adversity, which is, you know, an unfortunate thing. Um, 
but say, you know, I, I love it if I can get people that are not actually, you know, rolling themselves right against the fire to actually, you know, support them and 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 really look at this stuff and hold them. Yeah, exactly. Hold them, have that accountability, that support, that, you know, that knowing, that understanding. And I guess, you know, having been through and experienced a lot this, a lot of this stuff myself, I can see it very, I can, you mean, because <laughs> I've been down in the trenches. Um about all this stuff so I really understand and I get it so it's not something I've learned in a course or read in a book or whatever it's actually I've lived and breathed it more times than I'd like to admit but it it, but you know I mean which I think it makes me a bloody good coach because I get it I get and I ask you having worked with men and women what are the unique challenges for women and at what kind of age do they really start to present themselves when it comes to financial wellness I think a lot of it's more maybe a, a life change, Maha. I think it's, you know what I mean? I think sometimes it's death, divorce. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a separate, it's a, you know, it's probably a separation of a personal relationship. Um, it might be deciding to step out of, you know, what I mean, um, quite a lot of women I support is stepping out of corporate into their own space or, you know, transitioning a career or it, it's, it's not necessarily, <laughs> funnily enough, most of these women are usually around in their 40s, 40s or, I guess, 40s 50s um but then you know working with younger women is amazing because they're much more um open to the this you know there's less that they have to undo like if working with women in their 40s and 50s there's a lot quite a lot you need to unpack and look at um about their money stories and their conditioning and what's going on and obviously they've had more lived experience to reinforce all those beliefs Whereas um, younger women that I've worked with are, are quite amazing, and I always say to them, you know, you you got to you cannot underestimate how amazing it is that you're doing all this stuff right now because you know if you leave this for another twenty years, you have to unpack all that before you can actually go and look into this space. But they don't have to do that, so they're a lot more aware. They've got a lot more awareness and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily an age thing. I don't think it's more a, a life stage. event. Yeah, it's a life stage. Can I ask you what, in your opinion and in your kind of uh, vernacular, do you consider financial wellness being different to financial health? I think they're probably one of the same things. I think it's, you know, financial wellness or financial well-being is, is an encompassing thing of which money is obviously a very big aspect of it. But I think there's other, you know, other important things that it has you know as as I was saying before it it has a a big impact on our relationships money you know has a big and you know money or relationships and communication around money um how we relate ourselves to money how we spend money um it can have an impact on our careers um either if we're employed um how we ask for to be paid our well to be paid our worth um, with regards to salaries or that sort of thing, or how we charge in our own businesses, um, which you know once again comes back to our our self worth. Um, it's such an interesting thing that you raise because, you know, where do we learn this? I, I have an MBA. I went to university. Mm. I did a Bachelor of Commerce and I did a Masters of Business Administration, which in you know as business qualifications go, it's pretty up there. Mm. At no Absolutely. point, at no point in either of these, you know, degree qualifications, was there a professor or a workshop or a tutorial Mm. around uh, 
worth and value for any industry. At no point were we given any guidelines on how to negotiate. At no point were we told what salary expectations to have. Mm. Um, And if your parents don't do what you do, they're not going to be the source of, you know, how do I negotiate? What do Mm. I ask for? Mm. Similarly, I found that, you know, when I got married, there was no rule book. My first husband was someone that, you know, I met when I was 22, 23, uh, he built his business and became a multimillionaire during our nine-year relationship. But, you know, at, we kind of grew together. And when we divorced, I didn't get any money, not one cent. And But I didn't know how to hmm. be part, even though I was helping him build the business. Now, uh, you know, in full disclosure, we're good friends. I really hmm. like him. He's a great source of advice for me now. You know, he's hmm. very successful in the financial industry, but hmm. I just didn't know. Like, hmm. mom never sat me down and said, you know, the, these are the conversations to have with your husband. This is how hmm. you set up. If you're helping him build his business, you've got a stake in the business. Hmm. Second husband came along. Once again, no conversations about money. Hmm. Didn't know. Didn't know who to ask. Was I going to ask a friend? Was I going to ask an aunt? Was mm. I going to, I don't have a sister. Mm. You don't, there's no kind of blueprint for no. these big, big conversations. And, you know, in my second marriage, we didn't have joint bank accounts. We had completely different attitudes towards money. I earned a lot more. I was way more spendy than him. Mm. Um, but again, it was it was just one of those things that, I felt like I have never been taught. Hmm. And so I've had to teach myself, but there's got to be a shortcut, right? There's got, Hmm. you know, what do you, what do you do? What do financial advisors do? What should we be looking for in terms Hmm. of, you know, the manual of talk about? Well, I guess like, you mean, that's a, (laughs) that's a very big, very big question, but I think, you know, number one, we should be learning this stuff in schools. Like that's, you know, I mean, we should be learning this stuff in schools and universities. And like, I mean, the thing that frightened me that I, I heard a while ago is that, you know, people that are doing certain degrees, they get given a credit card with a huge limit before they even leave university. You know, I mean, if they're doing a, you know, law or, you know, like a, a, a if they're doing some sort of degree that's going to generate them a reasonable income, they're just given a credit card before they even finish their degree with a, like, that's just, that's, that's, Along with the $100,000 hex debt. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's just like, no, how about we don't give them a credit card? How about we actually go and run some courses for them to understand about debt, about debt management, about the ramifications of not paying your debts or your phone? You know I mean? Like just really basic. So I think that's a, you know, that's a really important starting point. There has to be a baseline of financial um, literacy, financial education. I call it flexing your financial capability muscle. That's what I, I, I heard that term a while ago, what I, which I absolutely love. So it's just, so for me, when I talk to women um, and I'm pretty, I'm getting pretty fierce about this because I, I've got a very, I feel very, very strongly about this because I am also seeing the ramifications of this, you know, when women, you know, number one, absolve all responsibility around their finances either you know if they're in a relationship or if they're on their own um they just have no visibility around what's going on with their money well i'm so sorry to stop you but when you move we lose like the resolution is so bad i don't know what's wrong with at your end but when you right. move your head 
Okay. It just goes all blurry. Okay. So when you're giving the B, um, I, I don't know if your internet is, um, no, maybe no, Zoom's seems... playing up. But yeah, so just sorry, go, pick up from where you were. But just, we'll let this so don't up. try and move. I'm, it's yeah. very hard for me not to move when I talk. I know. <laughs> um, so where was I, where was I at? Um, oh, just for women not, you know, um, absolving all responsibility around their their personal finances, their money management, the investments, you know, anything that's going on in a relationship. So the first thing that I do when I'm working with women is I say, I want you to go and find out everything that you need to find out about your assets, your life, your debts, your income, you know, basically do a financial, a personal financial audit of what is going on with your finances. And not only just finding out what, you know, what they are, I need you to come and explain to me what they are, like what investments you've got, what structures are in place, you know, all those sorts of things about what's going on. So they I'm get getting that. anxiety just hearing you give this instruction. <laughs> <laughs> <You haven't asked me. laughs> and it's, but it's, and it, so it's actually really, you know, I, I use the analogy sometimes our finances are a bit like, you know, if you get up to go to the loo or get a drink of water in the middle of the night and you're bumping around in the dark and you knock into things and you're knocking your shins and stuff like that and then turn the light on, you go, oh, yeah, I know where everything is. So I think our personal finances are a little bit like that. And so what I really do is get you to really sort of pull the curtain back and shine the light on your finances and really get a very clear understanding of what's going on because I can tell you one thing, knowing where your money goes gives you freedom and choice around where you want your money to go. Oof. But you, you I, I think about that. it like that. You know, when you um, do your makeup in the bathroom and then you go outside and you get a view of yourself and it's like, you know, your blush is up here and your is <laughs> yeah, yeah, down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's the same with money, right? Yeah. When you start yeah. to look at where things are, what's on your credit card statement, what your kind of financial habits and um you know, uh, style is mm. what your financial style is. Yeah, it's pretty illuminating, and I I, I love those shows. I, there's a show on Netflix at the moment called well, How, How to Get, to Get, Get Rich. Rich. I know. I've just someone, a couple of people have told me about it's, it. I started... It's fascinating yeah. and also gruesome. You watch the show, and it actually like you get heart palpitations. It's a bit close. You... It's a bit too close. <laughs> well, it's like a financial therapy. It's yeah. very much on that um, you know premise. Yes. and when you start looking into other people's uh, attitude and, and wellness and psychological kind of views around money, it makes you really look inwards and go, mm. oh, my goodness, I'm getting anxious watching this because this feels very close to the bone. It's resonating. It's resonating. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's, you know, I mean, it's a really, and it's, it's not a, you know, I always say to people, it's not right or wrong or good or bad. It just is what it is. And so it's, it's, and I've, I've like some of the feedback I get, um, from clients is that they from working with me is that they say you take the emotion out of money they're just like and I get to the point where they're just figures they're just numbers and actually understanding those numbers is really liberating and empowering to then be able to go and make decisions around you know financial decisions or lifestyle decisions or whatever the de decisions are um, once we've got that once we've got that knowledge and that information so you know you need to know you know where and what you spend your money on first to then be able to make educated informed decisions about where and what you'll spend your money on but you have to know that first bit before you can do the second bit so 
it's I mean it's 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 confronting, it's scary, but hands down, it's probably one of the most liberating things I do with my clients is actually for them to understand that, to get and, that knowledge, to get can that I understanding. Ask you, do they do that by themselves or if they're married or with a partner, do they do that together? How what do you recommend we do as a starting point? Mm. Whether I, I go through and, and do two separate pieces of um I can I separate out your spending. Um, or financial commitments into fixed costs, which is kind of all your everything you spend on a regular ongoing basis. So it's all your big ticket items that you spend on a regular um, a basis. So it might be your mortgage, Botox, your rent. Face cream. <laughs> <laughs> all of those. That, that could, be, could be lifestyle or not. But yeah, so all your bills, um, we go through and do a piece of reviewing all those and getting them as efficient as possible. So that's that's sort of that sort of things, and then I also look at people with regards to their lifestyle spending. So, which is pretty much anything that's not a fixed cost. And every time you walk out the door and put your hand in your pocket, that's um that's a fixed cost. Oh, sorry, lifestyle spending. So I get people to actually track those that lifestyle spending for for thirty days because you've got a lot of um, flexibility and I guess pliability of you know if there's some areas that you do want to um, start you know moving money towards once you understand where you're spending that money on your lifestyle, you can maybe sort of like, um, I'm not, I never talk, I don't like using the word budget. I don't like using, um, you know, it's not, so it's not about budgeting. It's not about going without, it's not about scorched earth. It is about making, getting very, very clear. So this comes back to, you know, I do a lot of stuff around values, value-based decision-making. Um, what's important to you in your life to make sure that you've got money available for. So it's not about going without and doing a budget and denying yourself. It's getting very, very clear on what is important to you and making sure there is money available for that, that side of things. So it, either, you know, you can do that as a, as a single person. Um, if I'm working with a couple, they usually, um, you know, they'll track their spending. We'll work on the fixed costs together as a couple they might track their spending um, through the week, each of them themselves, and then they might get together on a, on a Friday night. I usually try and get them to have a money date to get together and collate oh that information. God. <laughs> oh, Mel, you are well ahead of me on this one. I don't, I don't know about the money date, but yes, go ahead. Um, and and look, it's 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 once again, it's it's about collating that information, but it's also for couples because it's something that we don't talk about because of everything else we've talked about today it's you know you're coming together to collate that information or that data but it's also creating the space to start having a conversation about money and about what your goals are what you want to achieve what you want to do together so it's kind of once again it's it's I come it's about the money but not really about the money it's just creating that space to have that conversations and it's I love that you know the feedback I've received from from couples of why those conversations have led to and really unpacking what, you know, what the individual, you know, I do money stories with couples. I do, they do their individual money stories and then we come together and discuss them to understand what their differences are. <laughs> I always laugh to use it for, use the differences for good instead of evil and working together and the benefits that can be from, because no one's going to be the same. No one's going to be the same in a relationship. Well, no one's the same about money. You can grow up in the same household and be told exactly the same thing. Absolutely. And you'll all have different because it's what you've taken on is what you've taken on as your beliefs and your programming. So everyone's different when it comes to money. I'm going to come back to something you said before, because I found it super fascinating. And we've 
had neuroscientists on the show before, but you spoke about neuroplasticity when it mm. when it comes to your money story, when it comes to your financial thoughts and behavior. Can you expand on that subject? Because sure. I f- find that aspect quite exciting yeah. because it feels like that's something you can change. Absolutely. Like you can change it. So basically like, you know, all those saying those sayings, you know, our thoughts create our reality or if we can think it, we can achieve it. You know I mean? They are all true or where your focus goes, your in- where you, you know, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So, you know, a big piece I do with people is actually really unpacking their um their their money beliefs and blocks or the negative self-talk that they say to themselves in their in their mind and also what comes out of their mouth and it can be usually not very complimentary and a lot of times it's not even true these are just stories they're stories that we've carried around in our in our subconscious our whole lives and a lot of the times when you actually question them and look at them they're not even yours that could be your families, they could be ancestral, you know, I mean, it's all passed down through um, our family of origin and stuff like that, because that's obviously where we, you know, where we're hanging out when we're little people. So it's really having a look at that. And then, you know, going through and reframing and questioning all those, you know, those, those, those statements and those thoughts and those beliefs, and really, and reframing them into actually positive, relevant, real beliefs. So I guess, you know, would you, I was having this conversation with someone this morning, would you be rather focusing on what you're, what you don't have enough of, what you're missing out on, what you're, you know, what is, what's going, all the negative stuff that's going on in your life? Because I can tell you, if you're focusing over there, your brain, universe, God, whoever you want to talk about is going, oh, right. So that's where you're focusing. It's not whether you want it or don't want it. It's going, oh, so you're focusing over there. That's where your energy is. So you want more of that. So you're going to get more of that. You know, it's interesting because there's such, I mean, there's this building dialogue around what we were talking about before, which is manifestations, Mm. affirmations, but it also kind of dovetails into this neuroplasticity Mm. idea. Mm. So you're talking about, you know, that almost that self-hypnosis loop Mm. of the stories of the words of the phraseology that we use when it comes to money. Mm. And that, you know, that creates a neuro track in our mind. It's breaking that, it's breaking that pattern. It's breaking that thought process because it's our thoughts is where we can break the cycle when we change our thoughts. So what you're saying is that the affirmations and changing the language and thoughts around money that is a, a fundamental step, but also you have to take action. Yeah. It's not like reading the secret, doing some manifestations, no. and then you're suddenly, no. you know. No, you do have to take inspired action. You do have to, you know, there is, you know, it's just always say you have to, you can read about it, think about it, sit on the top of the hill, cross-legged and meditate about it and stuff like that. But you do have to take some inspired action around that. So that's sort of where the, I guess the metal hits the road. But so when we, you know, when you, we focus on, like I do quite a lot of different things. um, And, you know, one of them is actually, you know, really getting clear on what your perfect day is. Like, you know, engaging all your senses and actually really going to town. And I've done this a number of times myself. And so imagine if you are every morning when you wake up, you're, you're focusing on that, you're practicing gratitude. Um, and you know joy and abundance and that sort of thing and actually really focusing on that life and that that vision as opposed to what you're you know what what all the terrible doom and gloom over here 
you you know I mean you keep practice, you keep focusing that and keep focusing on that and keep focusing on that and then once that and, and you get to the point where you you don't even you can't even remember what the other stuff is you've, you've been thinking about all the can negative. I ask you in your practice what are the key themes and priorities that that come up for you know we were talking about women in their 40s uh but you know and and beyond or younger women what are what are the key there must be like a, a repeat of themes that come up when it comes to financial wellness it's it's all around our money story and our relationship with money that is it like I I run um you know I run one-on-one I run in-person workshops quite a bit and people come women come along thinking we're going to talk about budgeting and cash flows and you know all that sort of stuff which and it's we usually spend two to three hours unpacking their relationship with money um how money was spoken about when they're growing up um and their money stories and all that and that is absolutely absolutely the king yeah it's really the, the fun oh sorry no that I was just it's that is where the that's where the magic happens do you think the financial institutions have cottoned on to the fact that they're you know between financial advisors and um tiktok that they <laughs> there's a role for some financial education financial responsibilities i know in the us you know uh providing financial coaching is, mm. is now becoming one of the things uh, as part of the wellness packages of executives of uh, as a retention and as mm. a recruitment tool. Mm. Have you seen any shift in that in Australia? Are, are we, you know, following on from that are financial institutions? Do they have any kind of free services or uh, anything that we can tap into? Look, I think they they do. I think they. I think we've got a long way to go. Like I know, you know, I mean, in in the states and also in the UK, like you know, you can become a certified money coach. Um, there's actually a, a qualification designation, and I know quite a lot of women that have done either one or both um, that I've actually supported to become, funnily enough, to become money coaches or or to move into that space. So it's it's a much bigger thing, um, you know, like. Like I started this, what, eight, nine years ago now, or 2013, 10 years ago now, where I sort of started my journey at when I left corporate. And I think, you know, I but didn't your realize... background is in finance, right? Exactly. You... But it was, but it was all very, trans, you know, it was, it was, it was very transactional. And, you know, I mean, I did a lot of stuff in the retirement space and, and that sort of thing. But the thing I loved the most was actually working with people. Like that's like actually understanding and working with people and supporting them. Um, around that and I think what's happening is that there's going to be a there is this big gap well which is why one of the reasons I actually started my business that people that don't necessarily need financial advice or um, you know are not ready for financial advice or they don't need a full-blown financial advice and don't get me wrong financial advice is super super important for lots of different areas um, of your you know your situation your personal circumstances but there's this space that just people need a hand um just you know that accountability, that support, that education, that knowledge that they they just need that support in that space. And I think if if corporations, institutions, and you know, and also financial planning groups don't embrace that, they're going to lose these people because they're not going to be able to giving they're not going to be giving them the what they need at that time. And if they do provide them with that, then when they're ready, they will become financial planning clients. Or you know what I mean? Like they really need I'll to tell you, offer um, that. When I was very, very successful in my distribution business, uh, I 
have private banking and I won't say which bank, but Mm -hmm. um, I had absolutely no help. Like I, with the top bank in Australia, a private client, uh, my family had private banking with them. I was a wealthy individual, a Mm. young woman making Mm. a ton of money. Mm. And the, the most that I got was, you know, fast loans. And the but situation throwing, that throwing I found more money myself, at, yeah, throwing more money at you so you're more beholden to them. Yeah. And <laughs> so when when the GFC hit and I hadn't hedged my uh, foreign exchange, mm. at no point had had my private bank, who had a very beautiful suite in Martin Place that I would go to and be served, you know, lovely tea and coffee and champagne. At no point had my private banker pulled me aside and said, you know what, you're doing a ton of um business foreign exchange yeah on exchange and also you're getting paid on longer and longer terms by the retailers we need to do something to how about we hedge these situations how about we hedge these situations to make sure that you you're locked into a yeah you should have been working with a foreign exchange person division yeah to hedge put some head you know put some positions in to hedge your yeah to hedge your position hedge your positions um to make sure that you you know that you didn't you know i mean obviously you you can that you don't lose on the downside and then secondly I had a black Amex so mm. I was you know in my early late 20s early 30s with a black Amex and it, that was a really big deal back then like yeah, of it, course and they invited me to become a black Amex member I got my little titanium card it was mm. super fancy mm. um, and you know they were really good at booking a helicopter between Nice and Monaco but not good with any advice any support so I'm, the reason I'm bringing these things up, which I no longer have either of, <laughs> the reason I bring it probably, up is probably uh, probably for for good. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that e- even in my own small experience, when I was considered wealthier mm. and uh, the recipient of these financial services, mm. I had no service. Mm. And now on the other side of that, post-pandemic, you know, I, I sure as heck don't have any services or any, uh, you know, support coming my way. So mm. I've experienced both. And and and, and both, on both sides, you didn't get the support. And 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 um, education, and I, as I said to you before, I've got a really high level of education in mm. money, in in mm. business. Mm. Again, no advisory, no lessons, no teaching. So, if I'm that person and mm. I'm that woman who's forty nine, mm. you know, it's scary out mm. there. It's mm. scary to know the you know the first time I got interested in my super, which is appalling to say, is during the pandemic when they said you could draw down some money out yeah 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 right that was that was the first time you're actually interested in it correct so you know and there would be lots of women on this side of me and on that side of me and and beside me that that must be equally lost so Mm. what I'm asking you is you know uh where do we begin Mm. what can we do before we get to someone like you because Mm. that might not be in the current realm of possibility Mm. or maybe Mm. it is maybe you you know uh, someone like you can offer something small to start with that's better than TikTok yeah well I can pretty honestly hand on heart (laughs) well someone said to me the other day you should be on TikTok you should be doing stuff on TikTok and I was like 
my, apart from my children being absolutely no, horrified. No, you really should, though. You really should. I'm going to get you on TikTok. I don't even, I wouldn't, I have to, I have to work out even how to account on TikTok. But it's, um, look, it's just really, you know, as I go back to saying that, flexing that financial capability, understanding what is going on in your financial situation, in your, either in your, in your relationship with, with a partner or on your own, understand what is what understand who is who in the zoo sit down and actually do a you know line in the sand shine the light on right now what it looks like good I can't bad. see my face as you're saying this I'm like oh. the good the bad and the ugly because it's only then that you actually can be in a position to make some changes or move forward you need to know that first before you can actually do anything. You know, it's interesting because it makes me think, and we've talked about this before when we were prepping for this podcast, is why do we assign financial responsibility to other people? You know, I'm sitting here whinging that in my private bank and Amex didn't give me financial support, that my university professors didn't give me financial education, that my husbands didn't do do that, that my parents didn't Mm. do it. You know, why are we waiting for someone to save us? Like I just, I just caught my own money. Yeah, yeah, story yeah, 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 hundred percent. So, which is obviously, first of all, and look, you know, ask me how I know it too, is because I've done it, you know, myself. Is completely giving away your power mm-hmm. around your financial, you know, your financial independence, your financial, you know, actually, like, don't give it to someone else. Make, bring it, give it, get it yourself. Like, so you know it, you know that because. You know, these people around you but how they they probably didn't have the understanding or the knowledge either that's the thing that's the mm. thing of like they didn't have the information to give to you they might have been very good at what they did in their jobs but they probably didn't have the know-how or the resources or the tools or the understanding to be able to support you on that on you know either sides of, of where you've been and that sort of thing so I think it's it's number one is for us to hand on our heart and say this is actually within my I can actually do this myself. I'm going to take accountability. I'm going to flex my financial capability muscle. I'm going to get, you know, going to be empowered and control about my finances. I'm not going to wait for someone else to do it. I'm not going to, you know, absolve all responsibility and let someone else do it. I'm actually going to take the reins. And look, you know, you know, in a partnership, it's not about, you know, you have to make every tiny little decision together. It's actually just having that visibility and that awareness and understanding because I have seen and been with, you know, supported women that haven't been in that situation, um, have potentially signed things that were, they did not know that what they were signing. Yeah, um, and then, you know, it's all, it's all good until it's not. And then not only did it cruel them personally, but, you know, they've had successful businesses that have completely folded because they didn't have that visibility they didn't have that understanding and awareness of what was going on so I'm just I know I'm fierce about this I'm just like if I could just you know keep saying one message over and over and over again is understand what is going on with your finances understand what your assets are understand what your debts are understand what is in your name what structures you have in your name where you what what's your involvement what's your responsibility you know all those sorts of things because if you don't know that it can come back and really bite you in the butt 
gosh, yes. It can, I, I could speak to you forever on this subject. And I'm <laughs> super grateful that you came on the show because I think it it's such an interesting part of wellness and yeah. um and something that we don't talk about enough. And it was just a, a wide open opportunity for me to have you on the show as that missing piece of the conversation. Um, and I, I just want to thank you so much for, for that. And I'll have links to your site and mm -hmm. to your socials as well that people sure. can can visit to learn more. And also links to the articles that you've shared with me yeah. uh, that we've published that are available as well, which again, um, are great resources uh, as a starting point. Thank you so much, well, Melissa, thank Mark, you for, for being Thank you for having me. <laughs> on the Ages by Rescue podcast. And we're talking about financial wellness and longevity and uh, neuroplasticity also mm. around um, how we think and talk about money. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 